Welcome to the Lawyerist Podcast with Sam Glover and Aaron Street. Each week, Lawyerist brings you advice and interviews to help you build a more successful law practice in today's challenging and constantly changing legal market. And now, here are Sam and Aaron. Hi, I'm Sam Glover, and this is episode 122 of the Lawyerist Podcast, part of the Legal Talk Network. Today, I'm talking to Daniel Bramson, whose aggressive nonprofit law firm, Basta, demands a jury trial in every eviction case it handles. Also, a special treat today. On the day we're recording, Aaron is off at a week-long business retreat, so instead, I've persuaded our deputy editor, Lisa Needham, to join me. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Sam. (laughs) I'm excited to try this. Uh, I love that you're here. And for your special treat, uh, your initiation to the podcast is helping me read the messages from our sponsors. I'll go first and then, uh, you know, to teach you how to do it. (laughs) So today's podcast is sponsored by FreshBooks, which is ridiculously easy to use and packed with powerful features. Try it now at freshbooks.com slash lawyerist and enter lawyerist in the how did you hear about us section. Today's podcast is sponsored by Ruby Receptionists and it's smart, charming receptionists who are perfect for small firms. Visit callruby.com slash lawyerist to get a risk-free trial with Ruby. Today's podcast is also sponsored by Spotlight Branding, which wants you to know that having a new website designed for your law firm doesn't have to suck. Spotlight Branding prides itself on great communication, meeting deadlines, and getting results. Text the word website to 66866 in order to receive a free website appraisal worksheet. So Lisa, a week or so ago, uh, Judicata launched, and Judicata is a smart new AI-assisted legal research platform. Yes. And we were all a little bit confused. <laughs> As to why we needed another one? Yeah, not not Judicata specifically, but like, I, I you know, I what is the deal with AI-assisted legal research? Are we bad at legal research? What's the deal? I kind of thought it was the one thing we'd sort of locked down, right? <laughs> I mean, we've it's the thing lawyers have been doing for a long time. We had computer-assisted legal research before lots of people had computer-assisted anything. Mm -hmm. So I sort of thought it was something we'd mastered, but we also don't have cool AI doing it enough, I guess. So, you know, Ross obviously pioneered the AI-assisted legal research, I think. And Ross is a Canadian company that is using IBM's Watson to deliver better search results. And the idea, I guess, is that if you type in a dumb search query, it will search what you meant to say and what you hope to find, not what you actually asked for. You've played around with Ross, right? I have not played around with it. I've gotten to see a demo. And uh, it was underwhelming in the sense that it's not really Ross's fault that it's underwhelming. It's just like, you can't judge whether or not legal research works by looking at search results for an area of law that you have no familiarity with. Right. So right. like, you know, the, it's it works in tax. He's looking up tax for me and I'm like, I don't you know. <laughs> Are those, are those better? And what does better search results even mean? I mean, it, it seems like, you know, one thing you and I have talked about is maybe that it's it's more about the notion that it, it looks good, right? It looks mm-hmm. good to pass on to your clients that you're using cutting edge tech. Yeah. That's kind of my theory is that, you know, I, I try to keep one ear on the big law world. And it's my understanding that in-house legal departments are demanding that their outside law firms do more high-tech advanced things. And so you can put Judicata or Ross or whatever on your proposal, and it makes you look really high-tech and efficient because you're using AI, even if effectively you're not actually changing much. It seems like if if there's some future vision where you actually, as a big firm, cut your associates out of the loop entirely, right? Yeah. And, and your your robot does all that back-end stuff. But 
But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about those, you know, second year associates still pushing the buttons for Ross or Judicata anyway. Well, let me ask you, because you, you teach. Yep. Um, and so you have your finger on the pulse of what, second year law students? Uh, first and second. Okay. Yep. Do you think that something like Ross or Judicata would help them get the research they need to, to draft their briefs or whatever sooner? I actually think it would be a detriment. One of the things I noticed is in the shift from like regular Westlaw to Westlaw Next and mm-hmm. kind of natural queries, one of the things law students struggle with is is treating it like Google, right? Like, like <laughs> if you throw enough at it, it will spit back a thing you want. And I think what gets lost there is that they aren't learning, and perhaps your you know mythical second-year associate too isn't learning, to make value judgments about what a good source is and what isn't. Right. And maybe if your AI is smart enough to say, hey, everybody thinks this law review is is more reputable than that law review. But even that, again, is sort of, it's area specific, it's state specific. I just, I don't, I don't know that I see it helping as much as sort of making people think there's another shortcut that probably won't work. Well, and I suppose the other piece of it too is, you know, completion, right? The idea of you've gotten all the results you need. I guess case texts, Kara is really geared towards that. It's you drop your brief in or, or whatever, your draft, and it says, here's the stuff you should have cited that isn't in there, which is more helpful, I guess. Yeah, I mean, but, I think, like, if I think about writing my own stuff, I think I'd want to see that, yeah. right? That's like having a smart friend that works in that area of law all the time, basically. Mm-hmm. So I guess this is an area where if, if you're listening and you use Judicata or you use Case Text Cara or you use Ross in your practice, I'd really be interested in your take on this. Uh, and, you know, tell us if we're wrong. Shoot us an email and tell us uh, what the deal is, why you use it, if you find it's better uh, than, say, Fastcase or Westlaw or Lexis, whatever, and, you know, what you think the potential for it is. I'd be curious to hear about it. Absolutely. And so, uh, total switching gears, let's talk to Daniel Bramson. My name is Daniel J. Bramson. I am the executive director of BASTA, Inc., a nonprofit organization that advocates for tenant rights and fights to eliminate substandard housing. So, Daniel, I uh, I know a little bit of Spanish, and I can't decide whether basta means enough or stop because you've got it on a stop sign. So, uh, tell me tell me about the origins of of why you decided to name it then. It means a little bit of both, Sam. Yeah. Uh, when we when we started basta, it was important to have a very, an aggressive approach to what we do. We represent poor tenants, mm-hmm. mostly Latino, but we represent poor tenants of every race, creed, national origin. And part of our founding philosophy was to be aggressive. And we thought using basta, meaning stop, but not just in a stop fashion as a stop sign necessarily or as a traffic signal, but more of a stop enough type of effect was a good way to declare that we are in town now and the tenants have backup. Very cool. Tell me how you decided to found it and why did you pick a nonprofit instead of a for-profit? You know, it really wasn't, it was less of a decision to start Basta and, and, and more of a, a calling. I, I know that may sound corny, but... After graduating law school, I worked at a large law firm, stereotypical, over 100 attorneys. We, just like you see on television, mm-hmm. I was working late one night. Well, I was working late 
every night. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one of we had one of the janitors who was cleaning the office area, and it was about ten o'clock at night. Uh, she came in, and I'd, I speak with her every night because she comes in at 10 at night, and that's when I'm still around. And she comes in with an eviction lawsuit and says, all, all in Spanish, of course, Mr. Danny, uh, what is this? She gives it to me. I look at it, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, man, she's being evicted. What am I going to tell her? You're being evicted? Wish you the best of luck and let her be on her way? Of course not. I decided to help her off the books, and through helping her, I learned about the housing crisis that was affecting Los Angeles, the city, and both Los Angeles County. And it's not unique to Los Angeles. Right. And it just took off from there. Then I helped her cousin. Then her cousin came in. It must have been like a month or two later. <laughs> and she was calling that her place, her cousin called, it was on a weekend too, her place was flooding. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, what do you mean your place is flooding? Did you call the landlord? This is how naive I was at that time. And uh, it was, her name was uh, Patricia. So Patricia says, yes, I called the landlord. The landlord can come on Tuesday. I'm like, what, in three days? I thought you said <laughs> your place was flooding. And Patricia says, yeah, it's flooding, but the landlord can't come for three days. So I drove right over down to one of the hood areas of Los Angeles, and I walk into her unit. And if you would see this in a movie, you would say it was fake, Sam. Mm -hmm. The place was literally flooded with about maybe an inch, an inch and a half of water in the living room. In the middle of the living room was a bed with, uh, must have been at that time, maybe a seven, eight-year-old girl on a breathing machine Hmm. because she had severe asthma. And I'm thinking to myself, are you kidding me? This right. is real. Because in like, because in like a week, there's going to be mold everywhere, and the asthma is going to be out of control. And ugh. of course, and now Patricia and her family have been trying to call the landlord nonstop, and it got nowhere. I come in, I make a phone call, say, "Hey, I'm a lawyer. My name is Daniel Bramson. I work at this law firm, a hundred lawyer law firm, in uh, in one of the nicer areas of of Los Angeles, and." It was fixed within a few hours. Mm -hmm. And that's when you realize that people get treated differently. Well, you'd realize that anyway. But I guess this was my first experience as an actual licensed attorney to see the difference that I could make on my own in someone's life. So I started Basta Mm -hmm. because it was necessary, because people are being bullied. Tenants are being bullied. And the landlord class as a whole has all the power. And I don't like bullies. <laughs> so, um, so when you when you set about starting it, it how did you decide it's just going to be a nonprofit, or did you consider starting it as a for profit, or how did you work that out? It, it, it seemed the right thing to do to just form it as a as a nonprofit organization. People don't question your motivations. Mm-hmm. If you're going to put that Superman cape on, you can't say you're doing it for money. And and I really wasn't interested in doing it for the money. I was interested to do it because I can Mm -hmm. and I should. And I think it's important for any of your listeners, especially law students or recent graduates. I know as a lawyer, when you graduate law school, you want to make those quote unquote big bucks. But there's a lot more to the power of the law than just making the money. It's just the right thing to do. And some people do it 
based on religious beliefs. Some people do it because uh, of their own personal experience. Maybe they had a, a friend or relative who was being evicted or lived in a slum condition. And honestly, I'm still trying to figure out why I do it, but do it every day and I feel compelled to do so. I, uh, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, and I, I guess I know a little bit about that because I've been volunteering at a landlord-tenant nonprofit in Minneapolis for since I've been in law school. Um, and you know, it's, it's what I feel like it's one of those things where if you ask somebody, what are, you know, the actual bare necessities of life, food and shelter always come up, but we treat shelter as if it's not a necessity, right? We make people pay for it. It's a, um, you know, we let people, uh, live in houses that are substandard and it's, it's like this huge, complicated, thorny thing. Um, actually as a society, we're talking about giving everybody health care before we're talking about giving everybody housing. And it just kind of blows my mind that, um, there's all that abuse out there. And so uh, good on you for trying to do something about it. Well, I, I think there's a good time to send some shots out to everyone here at BASTA. It's not just, I happen to have started it, but it could not have grown to what it's grown to be and helped the thousands upon thousands every single year without all the attorneys and our hardworking staff here. It, it really is, shots go out to everyone here at our organization, as with any other nonprofit organization. Yeah, cool. So how long have you been doing this now? Wow, Basta, I've been doing this 12 year, over 12 years. And it's you've, you're, I just saw your opening, or you just opened a fourth location. Right, we're in the process of opening the fourth location. And it's almost like that movie, if you build it, they come. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but this is not a baseball field. We're not building a baseball field in the middle of a, a cornfield. But people need the help. Yeah. People are looking for the help. They just need a place to stop in and find it. So, uh, so you are you're self sufficient. You don't take any public funding. Where does the money come from? We do it the old fashioned way, Sam. We earn it. So you charge your clients. Wow, well, well, hold on a second. That's not how we earn it. We take it from the bad. <laughs> <laughs> we, we we take it from the bad guys, and by okay. earning it means that we win. Mm -hmm. That's a big difference here. We win on a regular and consistent basis. So, are, so you're able to get your attorney fees paid by the landlords. Yes, and through oh, okay. through either settlements, attorney's fees, however you want to categorize it, but it's somewhat of a contingency-based model where we take the cases and the landlords sometimes pay the tenants to relocate. Gotcha. And we, of course, we also sue landlords. Right. So are, are attorney fees statutory in eviction cases in, uh, in California then? In some areas, they're statutory under some circumstances. Gotcha. But we're not just doing it for the attorney's fees. We take every case, that, virtually every case that comes in through any of our three and four offices. And some of the cases have these attorney's fees provisions. So if we win, we get paid by the landlord. In some cases, the tenants are willing to relocate. And in some circumstances, the tenants will relocate and we take a percentage of that settlement in the case. And in some cases, we make really no money off the case. And it just all, it, you just count on it sort of balancing out in the end. Yes, yes. I noticed, speaking of locations, uh, on your website that you don't accept phone calls from potential clients, except to, I assume, to tell them where to find you. You only accept walk-ins, which is it's super interesting to me because I think that's completely opposite of every other law firm and nonprofit I'm aware of. And so I wanted to ask you more about that, like, what's the reasoning behind it and and what does that look like? Is there just a line around the, the corner every day? Or, or I'm just kind of curious about that whole, the whole model and the decision and why you do it that way. 
we find phone consultations to be a little challenging. Mm -hmm. So we prefer to speak to the people face to face. And when someone calls in, it's not that we tell them, hey, we're not going to tell you any advice. We're going to tell you nothing. You got to come in or you're on your own. No, no, of course not. When someone calls in, we give them some basic information. We find out what type of situation they're currently facing. And then we ask them to come in with all their documents. Gotcha. We just believe in that face to face interaction, which I know maybe different because you, for example, you mentioned a hotline mm-hmm. that, that you're part of, and we can handle those emergency issues on the phone. Again, we're not telling people to hang up the phone and just tell them to come in. We talk to them for a little bit, and then we ask them to come in for the full consultation. And we've been experimenting because we have now multiple offices, and uh, Los Angeles County is very big and spread out right. in video consulting. Oh, cool. So for example, if they're in one of our offices that are a little bit of a distance away and the attorney happens to be in court, but still wants to talk directly with an attorney, we can conference them in from any office. And this is one of our innovative tech approaches. And I know you like tech <laughs> yep. that, <laughs> that we're trying to implement. We can get that face-to-face personal interaction, even without physical bodies in front of one another. That's interesting. You know, I, I feel like, um, I started realizing the potential for video when I was having a conversation. This is going to be very yuppie, but like I was having a conversation with my financial advisor and he was talking about how he's doing a ton of video consults. And I went, oh, sure, young people, because you're representing more and more young people. He said, no, it's it's old people because all the, all the grandparents, all the old people um, know how to Skype and FaceTime because they want to see their grandkids. And that's a way for them to stay in front of their grandkids. And I was like, oh, and kind of a light bulb went on. And, and at Homeline... Uh, we're, we're, which is the organization that I work at uh, or where I'm on the board, um, we've been thinking about this but haven't really done much with it. But all of our clients, you know, many of them are impoverished, but almost all of them have a smartphone, um, which means they have video chat in their pocket whenever they want to. Um, and it's there, there's kind of an, an interesting possibility there. We haven't done anything with it yet, and it sounds like you're doing, you're doing video from the office, but it feels like there's the potential to get more personal without um, requiring people to to move from where they already are, which is, I don't know, kind of interesting. It sounds like you might be on top of that before anybody else is. Well, we're, we're experimenting and trying new things out. And I think that's one concept of BASTA that makes us unique. Because we don't take any government grants, because we don't get any funding from these big, fancy, gala, nonprofit events, we are not beholden to anybody. Mm-hmm. We can try new things out. We're not stuck in a budgetary line item. We have flexibility, whether it's on the legal front or even on the tech front, and it allows us to be innovative. Mm -hmm. So we need to take a few minutes to hear from our sponsors, and when we come back, I want to explore a little bit more about that, uh, the potential for a smaller organization, uh, whether it's a nonprofit or not, I guess, to be nimble. So we'll be right back. So you're racing against the clock to wrap up three client projects, prepping for a meeting later in the afternoon, all while trying to tackle a mountain of paperwork. Welcome to modern life as a small firm lawyer. The working world has changed. With the growth of the internet, there's never been more opportunities for the self-employed. To meet this need, FreshBooks is excited to announce the launch of an all-new version of their cloud accounting software. It's been redesigned from the ground up and custom-built for exactly the way you work. Get ready for the simplest way to be more productive, organized, and most importantly, get paid quickly. 
The all-new FreshBooks is not only ridiculously easy to use, it's also packed full of powerful features. Create and send professional-looking invoices in less than 30 seconds, set up online payments with just a couple of clicks, and get paid up to four days faster. See when your client has seen your invoice and put an end to the guessing games. FreshBook is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to our listeners. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com lawyerist and enter lawyerist in the how did you hear about us section. This podcast is supported by Ruby Receptionists. As a matter of fact, Ruby answers our phones at Lawyerist, and my firm was a paying Ruby customer before that. Here's what I love about Ruby. When I'm in the middle of something, I hate to be interrupted, so when the phone rings, it annoys me, and that often carries over into the conversation I have after I pick up the phone, which is why I'm better off not answering my own phone. Instead, Ruby answers the phone, and if the person on the other end asks for me, a friendly, cheerful receptionist from Ruby calls me and asks if I want them to put the call through. It's a buffer that gives me a minute to let go of my annoyance and be a better human being during the call. If you want to be a better human being on the phone, give Ruby a try. Go to callruby.com slash lawyerist to sign up, and Ruby will waive the $95 setup fee. If you aren't happy with Ruby for any reason, you can get your money back during your first three weeks. I'm pretty sure you'll stick around, but since there is no risk, you might as well try. Spotlight Branding is an internet marketing company that doesn't suck. Most solo and small firm lawyers have had at least one truly miserable experience with a web designer or internet marketing company. So if the idea of launching a new website for your law firm makes you queasy, they get it. Spotlight Branding prides itself on excellent communication with its clients, being responsive, professional, respectful, and delivering what it tells you it's going to deliver. Spotlight Branding works exclusively with solo and small law firms. Services include law firm website design, email newsletter management, social media marketing, and more, all designed to make your law practice more profitable. And Spotlight Branding is currently offering a free gift to our listeners. Simply text the word WEBSITE to 66866 and receive their free website appraisal worksheet, an easy way to evaluate your web presence, identify what's working, and spot opportunities to improve. Okay, and we're back. And Danny, so you talked about this, which is an issue that I bring up all the time. Um, You know, I look at a lot of organizations, whether they're um, big for-profit law firms or even some medium-sized for-profit law firms um, or uh, traditional sort of, you know, uh, grant-based funded nonprofits. And it's really hard for them to change direction, whether it's funding or mission or whatever. Um, But, you know, on a a smaller scale, um, smaller nonprofits or nonprofits where their funding comes from more diverse sources or whatever, it feels like, yeah, you can change direction when you need to and try new things. And right now it feels like there's a lot of new things that need trying. Oh, I absolutely agree, Sam. And it's the law, the institution of law, our judicial system, our court system is big uh, monolithic and change is difficult to accomplish within. So when you're when you have no chains, so to speak, and you can do what you want to do, you should disrupt the system a little. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not talking about putting on a black outfit and black mask and doing the anarchy thing by any means. <laughs> so I just don't want there on to the be weekends. confusion. Yeah, only on the <laughs> <laughs> But it's important to disrupt the system, shake it up. So it's almost like a checks and balance to make sure it's still working for every single person, regardless of of income. At Basta, we disrupted the system when we arrived because we started demanding jury trials in every case. 
every now mm-hmm. keep in mind that we're we're talking uh, I'm talking out of Los Angeles. There are an average of sixty thousand eviction cases in Los Angeles County every single year. So you can only imagine a, an organization coming up out of nowhere and demanding a jury trial in a couple thousand cases every year. That's a disruption to the system. And through that disruption, now every nonprofit organization and every tenant attorney in the county of Los Angeles demands a jury trial in their cases when that right may have been hampered, limited, or frowned upon in the past. So this is kind of like the uh, the deal with uh, criminal defense attorneys talk about this. Like, what if everybody claims a speedy trial? Um, pretty much everybody's going to get released because they can't deliver it. So uh, you're kind of forcing the system... Uh, to to do what it's promised and do what it's for and and potentially grind it to a halt, but too bad if if there are too many eviction proceedings going through, then then maybe the system's broken. That's definitely a part of it. I, in California, the right to a jury trial is a constitutional right, mm-hmm. and we're making sure that people are taking the eviction cases seriously because when you're having a volume of sixty thousand every year, you have judges seeing them more like traffic tickets than people losing their homes and being a huge component in homelessness and the housing crisis. So by stopping these bench or judge trials, which would happen, (laughs) it's barely a trial. You have a judge trial that lasts 30 minutes uh, against someone who's not represented. The perception is different than if you're doing a five-day jury trial which is hotly contested with the regular rules of evidence, the rules of civil procedure, people look at the eviction cases differently and they treat them differently and they treat the people who are caught up in the eviction differently. Yeah, definitely. Um, so tell me about that, taking every case to trial or, or most of them. Um, how does that work with clients? Do you, um, do you only take cases where the client agrees to take it to d- trial or are they all raring to go and you just have to go along with it? Um, how does that work in the decision-making process with the client? Well, this kind of goes to one of our founding approaches at BASTA. When we first started BASTA, we believed that we should apply a law firm approach to the representation of the poor and disenfranchised. The low-income tenant deserved the same level of zealous legal representation than the rich corporation that I would have represented in the old law firm. So every case, we demand a jury trial where the attorneys at BASTA, at great personal sacrifice and time, are willing and do take every case to jury trial if we do not get the results we want in a resolution. So how many how many cases do you, does Basta end up trying? Like say last year, I, I assume you know. Oh, every attorney here, no, because every it's just <laughs> it, it, it's not a number we can track of anymore. Gotcha. Because it's it just it's constant. We have approximately fifteen attorneys throughout our three and four offices, and each one does one to two jury trials every single month. We are constantly in jury trial. I looked up some statistics a couple years ago because I was curious how disruptive we were to the judicial system here in California. And the statistics were, I was very flattered by them. BASTA alone undertook more limited jurisdiction jury trials than 
any other county in California except for San Francisco County. Hmm. Just us alone. And in fact, I think the statistic was we had 12 or 13% of all limited jurisdiction jury trials in the entire state. Do you see any effects from that? Are landlords being more hesitant to bring uh, eviction actions or or is it just same old same old you're just going ahead and, and doing your thing or do you do you feel like you're actually starting to change things i mean you're changing things for one tenant at a time obviously but i mean sy- systemically <laughs> Thanks, <Neil. laughs> no the entire system has changed and it, it, it's not a recent phenomenon evictions used to cost five hundred dollars for a landlord to undertake and that's because the lawyers would group 10 or 20 of these evictions, go before a judge, sit there all day and evict 20 families. Mm -hmm. Now, when you're talking about jury trials, the court system cannot necessarily handle a regular flow of these jury trials. So cases get postponed and postponed and postponed. Not my fault. There's just not enough judges. It's not anybody's fault. And landlords now have to pay anywhere from five to 6,000 at the low end for a jury trial to 10 to $12,000 on the higher end for a jury trial. So when a landlord is deciding whether to evict some poor old lady who has a 15-year-old cat, well, if it would cost 500, the landlord would roll the dice. But now when it's going to cost 8 to 10,000 dollars to evict the old lady with the cat out of the apartment where she's been living for 20 years, well, now he's thinking twice. And it's got an incentive to work it out. Oh, uh, exactly, because just because a landlord pays his attorney 8 to 10,000 dollars, to go to trial and try to evict the old lady with the cat, it doesn't mean he's going to win. Because of the level of representation that we provide, and at Boston, our lawyers are trained advocates, and we all believe in that same aggressive style. This is not your mom and your papa's nonprofit organization, Sam. There's not a bunch of hippies here with tie-dye shirts. It's the new approach where we walk in with the suits, whether it's a female suit or the men in their suits, and we do good deeds using the law as our stick. So tell me about the the other attorneys there a little bit. So um, how how hard it is, is it to recruit? And then I'm curious about how you bring people on. Do you have a system for onboarding new people I guess, is there much turnover too? There's definitely turnover because of our high volume, high intensity, and high stress. Uh, It's almost like a public defender's office because we take on every case and we fight every case. Unlike a public defender's office, which has to have some politicking between the state attorney, the district attorney, and the system itself, right? The public defender doesn't take every single case to trial. We're ready to do so. So that just imposes more stress on on the attorneys. Recruitment is always a challenge, especially in the Los Angeles area where a large majority of our clients are monolingual and only speak Spanish. If you have a Spanish-speaking attorney, that's a huge, huge plus to our clientele. Uh, but we recruit them anywhere and everywhere we can, from the law schools to people hearing about what we do on the street, uh, younger lawyers who want trial experience and they're not getting it at their law firm, because that's all you're going to do here. It's funny. We have people during the interview process who ask, so when will I be doing a trial? And we tell them, well, we have a, a training policy here. You watch a jury trial and then you do one. 
<laughs> and so like <laughs> within a many, week? <laughs> pretty much. There's way too many poor people who need our help. And it takes a while to get fully trained, but we've been very pleased with the results. I, I, we have an excellent reputation and our winning percentage is unbelievably outstanding. Very cool. Daniel, thanks so much for being with us today and for the good work you do. Obviously, I'm, I'm super sympathetic to the work you do because uh, I, I try to do something similar in Minnesota with, with Homeline and, um, and I'm just, I'm impressed and it was a pleasure and, um, and it's neat to see a self-sufficient nonprofit who's changing the system in the way that you are. So um, thanks for being with us today. Sam, thank you so much for having us. Thank you for letting me speak about what we do and that right to a jury trial. That can be, we encourage any young attorney to look into the right to jury trial in their particular jurisdiction for eviction cases and implement it. It, it makes a big difference in people's lives. Thanks, Daniel. Thank you, Sam. Make sure to catch next week's episode of The Lawyerist Podcast. If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit lawyerist.com slash podcast or legaltalknetwork.com. You can subscribe via iTunes or anywhere podcasts are found. Both Lawyerist and The Legal Talk Network can be found on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn, and you can download the free app from Legal Talk Network in Google Play or iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network. Nothing said during this podcast is legal advice.